It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Master Builders Victoria, supporting Victorian builders for over 147 years. Not a member yet, all today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. And a very good afternoon. Welcome to Dwayne's World here on SEN. Matthew Cox filling in this afternoon with you. The L plates are well and truly on in this shift. Uh, get involved. one 736 on the Werribee Kia Open Line. Awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Or you can send through a 40 Winks temper text on 0433981116 to join in the conversation with us this afternoon. Big show coming up. Daryl McDonald will be joining us a little later on this hour to preview Melbourne United's games this weekend. Uh, they're involved tonight against the Cairns Taipans. And then the South East Melbourne Phoenix a little later this weekend. So we'll touch base with the assistant coach of Melbourne United, D-Mac Darrell McDonald, uh, in the second half hour of uh, the show this afternoon. Shifter, Kevin Sheen's going to join us and go through the top prospects when it comes to medium defenders. So a few clubs on the lookout for a medium defender in the upcoming draft. We'll go through some of the top prospects with Shifter Campbell Brown. I have the sense he might be a little bit dusty after uh, Oaks Day yesterday. I've seen him wandering around the offices already here at SEN, but we'll touch base with him to find out how the Melbourne Cup Carnival has been and also look ahead to tomorrow's action at Flemington. Try and find a bit of value and a winner or two there. Brat Sundarason will join us as well to preview the cricket a little later on today, which is all important and of course, our eyes and attention on Australia's hopes to potentially progress through to the semi-finals of the ICC Men's T20 World Cup. So that is coming our way. And Nigel Carmody as well is going to join us. Also do a little bit of racing, but focus on the AFLW. The finals kick off uh, tonight. But also as well, there's been some comments made across uh, the morning on SEN regarding the AFLW, its position. And also the season, particularly the length of the season, which I'm keen to get not only Nigel's thoughts on, but also your thoughts. one 736 736 or 433 on the 40 Winks temper text. Uh, Dwayne's World is brought to you by Kogan Mobile. Make the call, switch to Kogan Mobile. Brick Lane Brewing for lovers and makers of great beer, drink responsibly. And Master Builders Victoria, great expert legal support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. And as always, it is midday madness. So get on the lines now. They're all open at the moment. So jump on. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 if you want to bring anything to the agenda this afternoon. Uh, all thanks to uh, Wrong Fuel Extraction. Search up Ship Creek. Don't get that wrong. .com.au. Ship Creek with a P. .com. 
Au. Australia's hopes tonight in the, the, the ICC Men's T20 World Cup. We may as well start there this afternoon because all eyes are on whether or not Captain Aaron Finch is going to be able to play. The latest reports that are circulating suggest it is more unlikely than it is unlikely. Uh, Aaron Finch spoke during his press conference yesterday on the likelihood of him being able to play. Good question, maybe 70-30, yeah, I'll, I'll, but I'll, I'll test it out properly this afternoon to make sure that that I'm not hindering the side at all um, leading into the game, because I think that's the worst possible scenario is that you leave the guy short out there with one, one player fewer. There was a lot of hesitation and a lot of concern, I think you could hear in the voice of Aaron Finch. There, 70-30 was the official number that he gave in that quote. But later on in the day yesterday in training, he didn't end up going to the Nets, which creates the speculation that it's more unlikely that he is going to be playing. And I suppose it calls into question how prepared, given the precarious situation that Australia finds themselves in with the ICC Men's T20 World Cup, whether or not... We should be going with him. Now, I know this is a conversation that has been bubbling away over the last couple of days, but how important is Aaron Finch to the Australian side? Is it worth just throwing the cat amongst the pigeons, putting Cameron Green, who's been the name that's been floated up to the top of the order? We've got someone like Steve Smith sitting on the bench. Is he worth a go, given the leadership that he holds and his ability to navigate tricky situations is it to go aggressive as we need to to get that run rate up given that we're relying a lot on uh, what's going on in the other matches of group one what are your thoughts one three hundred seven three six seven three six oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen how prepared would you be to take the risk i know his form has been very up and down very questionable and he's copped some criticism as well over the course of not only the t20 world cup but probably for the last two years but i'm in the camp that his leadership and his expertise around the field are just as important as what he does with the bat are you prepared to take the risk then, if you sit in the same camp as I do, to play him tonight against Afghanistan? one three hundred seven three six seven three six or 1116 to join in at the conversation with us this afternoon as part of Midday Madness. And also I want to throw it out there, given the significance of tonight's encounter, it may not be a final, but it is a, a do-or-die clash or an elimination final clash. What are some of the previous scenarios where players haven't been quite fit, but they've gone on to make an impact in a grand final, in a final, or in a a big encounter? Share with us some of your nominations and some that have backfired. So when you've been prepared to take a player into a game... And they haven't got the job done because their injury has got the better of them. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to give us a call on the Werribee Kia open line as part of Midday Madness. Wrong fuel extraction. Search upshipcreep.com.au. The other conversation with the World Cup final tonight is to do with 
Mitchell Stark and his role within the side. Aaron Finch was posed this question yesterday as part of his press conference on what role Mitchell Stark would be playing. Yeah, we feel as though that he's got a really important role through the middle part of the innings and, and particularly with Adam Zampa, who's been who's been really good for a long time now. So um, in T20, well, same as one-day cricket, the if you don't get wickets through that middle phase of the game, you are incredibly vulnerable at the back end, regardless of who's bowling. You can have the best two ever, and, and if you've got two set batters, it's going to be incredibly difficult to contain them. Um, so that's, that's been a, a little change in Mitch's role to to be pushing harder through their, their middle overs and, and almost going towards the back end of the power play so that we can try and get a wicket there to expose a middle order um, right on the back of that. That's That's the only reason for it. Is that the role you want Mitch Stark in? Or are you prepared to hold him in that position because it has worked during this tournament? one three hundred seven three six seven three six or 433 And we're all been speaking about how Australia not only win tonight, but the hopes and dreams of us making a semi-final in our home T20 tournament. Well, Aaron Finch also discussed how the Aussies may win tonight. For us to win, we, we need to restrict Afghanistan or we'll get off to a really solid start. And, and the foundation is the most important thing in doing that. It's to be able to walk out and start, and if you bat first, if you walk out and think we need to get 250 and, and you go all guns blazing, you could leave yourself really vulnerable there. So regardless of whether we bat first, bowl first, the foundation, like the first three or four overs is still key to being successful, I think, because that then allows guys on the back of that to play their natural game and, and maybe be overly aggressive at, at certain times as well with bat and ball, searching for wickets or searching for for quick runs. So um, the, the first couple of overs is always the most important. Going to be very important for Australia's chances. How aggressive do they need to be? And if you're prepared to work out the mathematics regarding that net run rate, I'm not even going to attempt at it. There's too many decibel points for me to have a crack at it. But if you want to try and explain it to us here on Midday Madness, you're more than welcome to. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 We can send through a 40 Winks temper text on 0433981116. Dwayne may not be in the chair, but even with me at the helm, if you call... You will get on, like Craig in EA. Good afternoon to you, Craig. G'day, how are you? Good, thanks, mate. What did you want to have a chat about? Uh, you raised bringing someone into a big game under a sporting injury cloud, and I think Stevie K in the grand final, uh, where he self-proclaimed himself norm at three-quarter time is a fine example of sometimes champions raise their uh, levels when required. Does it need, in particularly in, in his case, Craig, and you referenced it there being a special sort of character, is that what you need in these sorts of situations to push through the barrier? We may have lost Craig, unfortunately, there, but he does race, Stevie Johnson, and what he achieved in that grand final many years ago. And, in fact, uh, Joe off uh, the 40 Wings temper text has raised the same player. Stevie J went into a Geelong grand final with a suspicious leg injury, talked about it all week and played really well. That was the scrutiny and the pressure that surrounded him in a grand final performance. Does it take a unique individual to be able to do that? And is Aaron Finch capable 
of doing that. John's in Mill Park. Good afternoon to you, John. You've got a nomination for us? Yeah, I have, Coxie. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. Um, there's probably one that a lot of people don't know, nor would they even suspect or realise, but the 1994 World Cup final in USA between Italy and Brazil, a very, very famous Italian player who was probably the best player in the um, tournament, Roberto Baggio, went into that game with an ice pack attached to his leg because he suffered a hamstring injury in the semi-final against Bulgaria where he was absolutely devastating. And unfortunately, he went on to miss the penalty that eventually cost Italy that World Cup final. Um, and Brazil won on penalties, and there was a player sitting on the bench that everyone knows who played with Chelsea it was Gianfranco Zola, who at the time would have, um, I believe, would have won Italy the World Cup had he played. Um, and that was a really um, bad decision on that days of Arrigo Sacchi and his team when they played Roberto Baggio with a hamstring problem. Do you think it was because it was soft tissue, John, that they took the risk? Because it could be managed? Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, but you could tell that he wasn't right because when you watch him against Bulgaria in the semi-final, he was just absolutely devastating. I mean, the two goals that he scored were just wonder goals, um, and then to have him and to have a player like Zola on the bench um, and then not be played when he was fully fit against a Baggio who really got Italy through when Italy shouldn't have got through. Um, it was really sad to see that happen. And then he missed the penalty, and the whole world were always, uh, you know on his back about the fact that he missed the penalty. It wasn't the fact that he missed the penalty. He didn't have enough power in his leg. And it's the legacy that that's created, the on the ongoing thoughts of what may or may not have been if the decision had been the other way around. And if it had failed the other way around, it'd just be as hurtful, I suppose, wouldn't it, John? Absolutely. I mean, I have no doubt that if Zola plays, Italy win the World Cup final and they would be equal now with um, Brazil on five World Cups each. So based on that, no, that, based on that evidence then, John, there's a hamstring injury that's impacting at least two, potentially three players for the World Cup tonight. What would you do if you were in the position? You don't play them. It's quite simple. You play players that are fit. You do not take a risk. It doesn't matter who they are. It does not work. It's quite simple. You play unfit players, you take the risk, you play... You, you, it's a risk that... It's not calculated because you don't know when that soft tissue issues, issue is going to become far greater than what it is. Mm. You're not a doctor. It doesn't matter how much of a doctor you are. You know, one bad sprint or one sprint that needs... Um, you know, when you don't, you're not thinking and bang, and off it goes and off they have to come. Mm. That it. puts enormous pressure on the rest of the team. And it shouldn't have to be like that. When when there's already pressure that is on this side to perform, not only given the the success situation of Australia and depending on that, but also the distractions just generally around this side. John, appreciate the call and, and giving us that example, um, a great example, particularly given it's a soft tissue injury that uh, could be cause of concern. Keep sending through your nominations on 0433981116, the 40 Wings temper text. Players who... May have been in Aaron Finch's situation. 70-30 chance to play in big moments. Whether it's worked and whether the risk has been rewarded or it's backfired. There's a few of those uh, examples coming off the 40 Winks temper text, which we'll get to on the other side of the break. SEN uh, Midday Madness, rather. 
is uh, brought to you by shipcreek.com.au. Put the wrong fuel in your car, visit upshipcreek.com.au. And yes, that is with a P. That may catch me out one or two times uh, this afternoon here on uh, Dwayne's World. Matthew Cox filling in uh, for Dwayne this afternoon. We'll continue to take your nominations on players that may have been 70, 30, maybe even 30, 70 and still played. Uh, keep sending them through. But on the other side of this, I want to raise a topic that uh, was brought up by Nicole Livingston this morning. It was in reference to the AFLW competition and whether or not that may be expanded to 17 rounds in the near future. Curious to see how that may, and the, the legitimacy of the competition with every team playing each other once, but want to explore whether or not, and raise the old chestnut, of would you prefer a 17-round season in the AFL so then it's fair and equal? Or does everyone play everyone twice and you have an extraordinary long season? Or whether you're happy with the current fixture? 0433981116 or 1300-736-736. It's Midday Madness this afternoon here on SEN. Matthew Cox filling in for Dwayne Russell on Dwayne's World. Oh man, it's time to move your body. If you can't get a girl but your best friend can, it's time to move your body. Bricklane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogo Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Help getting your builder's registration. Call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne Dwell with Dwayne Russell. I think any conversations around a 17-round season is just um, shrinking and pinking the men's game. Um, you know, to, to say that legitimacy of the league is based on um, everybody having to play everybody once. You look at world sport and there are plenty of examples of world sport that everybody doesn't play everybody. Um, so I think right now where we are at 10 and 4, again going from 28 and 1 final to 90 and 9, the growth has just been enormous. What we need to do now is is really settle these foundations of our league, build the data points, the attendances, the audiences, uh, and then we can have a conversation about increasing rounds. But I think any of those conversations right now are prom- probably premature. That was Nicole Livingston, uh, the head of AFLW, speaking this morning with Sam Edmonds and David King. You can catch the full podcast, sen.com.au, or download the SEN app to listen back to the full conversation with Nicole on the eve of the AFLW finals, which uh, kick off tonight. We'll do a bit of a preview on that a little later on. But the conversation that it's uh, prompted, or at least the question that it's prompted for me, not only regarding the AFLW, and I'm keen to get your thoughts, given that we have moved into a new time slot at the back end of the season or the back end of the year now for the AFLW season, whether or not it's worked, the 10 games, which has been cause of issues amongst the AFLW fraternity about whether or not we should have more games. And based on the comments from Nicole Livingston, it would seem as if a 17-round season is a fair way off, given the enormous amount of expansion that the competition has been through, not only just this year, but over the course of the time it's been in existence. Legitimising it, though, by playing each team once. 
being fair and considering that we are in such an expansion phase where you have got young and developing teams, as we've seen this year with the Sydney Swans, Hawthorne, Essendon, although they were a little competitive, as was Port Adelaide at various stages, but the lopsided nature, West Coast, Gold Coast can fit into the category as well. But the lopsided nature of the draw, does it give certain other teams advantage? And I get there's the fixturing and the the various scenarios of uh, being able to put the top-end teams against each other and the bottom-end teams and the mid-tier teams, etc. But I reckon having a 17-round competition will legitimise the competition even further than what it is. And, And on an extension of that, it's a conversation that's been raised in the past. But for the AFL competition... Would you prefer to have 17 rounds, or if we do get the Tassie licence approved, it will jump to 18 rounds of the home and away season, which would, in my eyes, potentially cause more tension. It it means that every game has a meaning. You think back to the BBL. I know it's a very long bow to be drawing, but when the BBL was a shorter season and every game there was something riding of it, you think back to the COVID year of 2020 when there were less games in the season. There was something on it. There was something on the line for a majority of those games. Would you be prepared to do that full time? Would you be prepared to have a 17-round season? That way it's equal. That way you can't have the conversation about whether or not teams are dudded by the fixture, whether it's advantage for certain teams that have finished towards the, the end of the eight or outside of the eight and giving them a better chance for success the following season, do we get rid of those conversations and go with a pure 17 round? Do we misc, risk rather the demise of having less games where it's almost a saturation, where at least you've got a long period of time to be watching and maybe introduce more of a pre-season carnival to start the year? What's the appetite? We'll take the temperature on that. one 736 736 17 rounds. Would you prefer that over 23 or the other way around? And we've been searching this afternoon as part of Midday Madness, uh, which is for Ship Creek. Put the wrong fuel in your car. Visit upshipcreek.com.au for nominations of players that have played with an injury and a significant encounter, given what Aaron Finch is uh, potentially going to do tonight if he is past fit to play. Uh, Vito in Coolaroo joins us on the line with a nomination. Good afternoon to you, Vito. G'day, Coxman. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, uh, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, man. Just just on that previous caller about Pudgel, um, he played 120 minutes and then, then he's had to take a penalty, so they probably got that wrong. He probably shouldn't have taken a pen, but he did well to, to play the whole match. And then just got that that pen wrong, but he said he didn't put enough power into it. He actually put it into the next stadium, so he got plenty of power on it. But anyway, um, Stephen May, uh, twenty 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 one grand final. He actually pinned his hamstring. I think he had a twelve centimetre tear mm-hmm. in his in his hammy. Stephen May, and he played the grand final. There's no chance he was missing out on that match. You remember the interview when they interviewed him about it. And then Petrarca uh, this year against Brisbane. It wasn't a soft tissue injury, but um, he had a hairline fracture in his, his fibula, I think, and he played as well. So it depends on the severity of it. And um, I think he should get up, to be honest. I mean, it's, I know 2020, it's, it's 
it's still a pretty, you know, physical sport. But yeah, I reckon you'll be right, man. I reckon you'll get up. I mean, if he really wants to play, players will do it and they'll get through it. You don't think, though, that it would risk if if Australia does somehow find a way of getting through tonight and progressing through to the semi-final, if he did do further damage, is it is it a risk worth taking? Do we need him for the bigger matches to come if we were to progress? Yeah, but how, how big this match tonight, Coxley? I mean, it's, it's, it's do or die tonight. And then at least if you make the semis, you've made a semi-final. You know what I mean? And deal with what's in front of you then. And that's what they'd be weighing up. Is it the risk worth taking? Vito, I appreciate the call, mate. You have a good afternoon. You too, mate. Vito joining us on the line as part of Midday Madness. We'll uh, clear some news headlines. Keep sending your nominations through for players that uh, that have had an injury concern and either made an impact in the match that they've played no matter what the significance may have been for it, or it's backfired on them. And a 17-round season, are you for or against it? one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. 1116 News headlines upon us. Max Beck is going to jump into the studio on the other side of this as well. So we'll have a chat to another young and up-and-coming star of the SEN Airwaves on the other side of this. Some classic hits. Feel like I'm on the FM band this afternoon. It's Dwayne's World. Matthew Cox sitting in the chair with you this afternoon. Coming up shortly, Daryl McDonald from Melbourne United is going to join us. A couple of big games ahead for them this weekend. So stick around for that. But right now in the studio, Max Becker joins us. As I said, another rising star of SEN. Good afternoon, Matthew. How are you? It is the young generation taking over the SEN airwaves uh, this afternoon here on uh, Dwayne's World. Now, you've been very busy with your uh, podcasts, and I'm curious to know what's happened with Damien Barrett, because the last time I saw you on with the Brecky boys, you were trying to get access to him. You had to go through his manager, his I manager, believe. Chris, Chris here at SEN was um, kind enough to uh, lend me a hand in getting Damo, and same with Hutchie and all the guys at the Sunday <laughs> footy show, and Kane Corns, and all that sort of thing. So, no, it's, it was just obviously a huge... He's been a huge inspiration for me these last few years. Darren, it was great to finally get to, you know, have a chat in studio with him and learn all insights from all over his career. What was the one bit of advice you got out of interviewing Damo? From him and Gerald Waitley, it's both preparation and, you know, preparation's obviously key with everything you do in media. So that's that's the main thing. The other thing that Hutchie and maybe some people didn't know, he covered grade cricket. Damo, so Shane Warne and all these kinds of big names would come um, off the back of playing for Australia and they wouldn't play state, they wouldn't p- play, you know, representative or anything like that. They'd go down to the to the bottom leagues, the grassroots and play great cricket because that's where, you know, you could adjust your skills and your fundamentals and things like that back in the day. So that was an, an interesting fact for myself and Hachi. And you'll be able to find that on the, the podcast, which is called? Sporting Max. So <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and YouTube. Also give us a follow on Instagram, sportingmax.podcast. He's all over it, Max Becker. And he's here thanks to Wahoo, where you find fun this summer. You'll find Wahoo. Check out the range at wahoo.com.au. The other one that you've had a conversation with recently, Braden Maynard. Talk us through that chat that you had with him. Yeah, so he's a really interesting one. Now, at the moment, he walked into the studio with a full torso brace and shoulder brace. So he's 
got has extremely mobile shoulders, which means if he's just sitting down, he can dislocate his shoulder and pop it back in its socket um, within a few seconds. And when that happens for a player, and in this case, Braden, um, he's he was put under pressure and it was a game against Essendon, I believe it was round 21, where Jamie Elliott kicked the game winner. He said, I was, I was laying a tackle and my shoulder, when you've got extremely mobile shoulders with force and it, when it's coming out with force or going back in with force, there's a little tear inside that shoulder. He goes, and each time you tackle or each time you move it too much, that tear just extends further and further. And so what it ended up being for Braden in the finals was that tear got to the point where he was in so much pain that he couldn't breathe, he couldn't sneeze, and he couldn't cough without being in some serious agony. So he had a surgery about four weeks ago now. And now he's, you know, getting better straight out of surgery. is still in enormous pain, obviously. But I think it's about a 12 weeks or three-month rehab period. But he should be back in the club by uh, by December, uh, training and running. Which all Pies fans will be very happy to hear. You can catch that on the Sporting Max podcast as well. Before I let you go, you were uh, mentioning before, you're a big watcher of both the AFLW and the uh, NBL. We've got Daryl McDonald coming up. In a moment, what would be one question you would ask the Melbourne United assistant coach? And I need a tip for you for the grand final for the AFLW. And I want no bias because I know you do a bit of work with Ellie Blackburn. No bias. Well, well, DMAC, I actually know DMAC pretty well. So I see him, see him around um, a fair bit. Daryl McDonald, he's an absolute superstar. I was actually at, a game, at the Melbourne United game the other week and I said, DMAC, how about you just go over there and, you know, pull up a three while the, the boys are shooting? He goes, all right, after, after. And what happened was boys finished shooting and D-Mac goes right in the corner behind the ring, puts the shot up, swish. He goes, Max, I could have made that five times. He goes, five out of times that I would have made that shot. But, um, yeah, one question I definitely asked D-Mac is what he thinks of, you know, the imports and how they're fitting into this group and culture at Melbourne United. Dean Vickerman's um, a big enthusiast of culture and Sean Long, that didn't work out for Melbourne United in 2020, 2021. Um, And Mello Trimble, Dean Vickerman spoke um, on my podcast saying that, that he, he, they didn't have the culture and environment, didn't fit that culture and environment. And clearly, Jordan Caroline hasn't fit that culture and environment at Melbourne United. Now, Rayshon Tucker, he's still in limbo. He's had back-to-back double-doubles now. So how does that work out for him in Cairns tonight and then on Sunday um, against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, who are in some extremely good form? But the team for me um, is the Tasmania Jack Jumpers in the NBL. They're a fight and grind it out team. Jarrah Weeks has had an exceptional clip shooting the ball this season. Josh Majet hit six of nine threes last night against the Perth Wildcats. And they're, they're one to watch. They're sitting about fourth or fifth on the NBL ladder right now. I think they're going to be one to watch come back end of the season. Oh, very nicely. They're done from you, Max. And off the uh, 40 Wings temper text, apparently someone reckons you're already doing better than Damo. So uh, you're flying, as Damo would say. Good on you, Max. Good luck with all the upcoming interviews. And again, you can check out the Sporting Max podcast. Uh, enjoy the weekend, mate. Thanks, Matthew. You too. Max Becker joining us in the studio. Thanks to Wahoo, where to find fun this summer. You'll find Wahoo. Check out the range at wahoo.com.au. The man that we were just alluding to, Daryl McDonald from Melbourne United, the assistant coach there. He's going to join us on Dwayne's World on the other side of this. Matthew Cox with you this afternoon here on SEN.
Bricklane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogo Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. For help getting your builder's registration, call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne Dwell with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Matthew Cox with you this afternoon here on SEN. Great to have your company. And uh, the reminder from Alex, I've seen it off the 40 Wings tempered text. I will read some of the messages out in the not-too-distant future. But Melbourne United, they've got a big weekend ahead. Plenty of action. And it starts tonight against the Cairns Taipans. Their assistant coach, Daryl McDonald, has been good enough to join us on game day. Thanks very much for joining us, Daryl. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. What does tonight hold for Melbourne United against the Cairns Taipans? Um, opportunity to play like we've been good on the road. Like we won, you know, we only had two games, but we we won both of those games on the road. So, you know, being able to go over there, we lost to them at home. You know, being able to go over there and try to get us another win, just to keep to try to keep this winning streak going. How much emphasis as a coaching group do you then place on the fact that you do have a bit of momentum at the moment with uh, winning away from home? Uh, I mean, it plays a big part. Uh, I think the, I just think the opportunity to get away, you know, guys get away, and I think you you, you probably spend a lot, you spend more time together when you're on the road. You know what I mean? And I think that I think that helps. You know what I mean? Opportunity and then just just to, you know trainings and. In the, in, the, in the game, and it, like you're, you're, like it's real kind of, kind of packed in. Where you always, you know, you're always around each other, and you know that camaraderie plays a big part. Does it, does it get fractious at all, Daryl? Is there, there any little niggles that go on because you are so close, or is it because of that culture that Melbourne United have established that everyone is getting on together and gelling well and prepared to do whatever it takes to get the result? And that's it. I think, you know, a lot of it is definitely culture. And, you know, right now, again, we started all, we lost a few games and, you know, lost a couple at home. But, you know, uh, just bring our fans into it where they, you know, they've been there to support us at home, like every game. And we got another tough one coming up on um, Sunday against the Phoenix. And, you know, appreciate those guys' support. But it's just, I think it's just culture, man. Like our, our culture, that's that's one of the things we, we, we live by. You know what I mean? You come in and, you do your job and everything else to take care of itself. How important as well is it feeding in the bigger imports that would no doubt come with a bit of a personality with them? How important is it for them to embrace that culture as well? Uh, I mean, they have to. And I think that, that goes with that goes with recruiting. You know what I mean? Like, like we do a great job of, of recruiting and bringing guys into that culture. Like, like if we don't think you fit our culture, we won't, we won't have you here. So, that plays a that plays a big part, and you know, like now, and especially again, like lately, you know, it's funny how you get a couple of bit wins under your belt, and you get a couple of players back, and it, it makes all the difference. You know what I mean? And like, I know we won a big one last last Saturday in Illawarra, you know, double overtime win, and then we get Shea Ely back on the on the on the on the Monday night against Perth, and just everybody lifts. You know what I mean? It's amazing what what one player coming back into your group can do for you. So looking ahead to tonight's match, assistant coach of Melbourne United, Daryl McDonald, joining us here on Dwayne's World this afternoon. What are the key pieces of the puzzle that you guys need to execute tonight to be able to defeat Cairns, who I note that you haven't lost to at the Cairns Convention Centre since 2019? 
Yeah, that, that, I think that helps, knowing that you can win there. It also helps us. But for us tonight, uh, Cairns are a good team. They get out and run. They shoot the three ball well. And, you know, game plan for us is to, you know, take away the three. I think it's the one thing we've done really well this year, you know, taking away, taking away the three-point shots. And that's going to play a big part in, in our game tonight uh, against that team, but also making them defend us and taking good shots. Like, you know, we can get good shots every time. That makes them play in the half court. And for us, we want to we want to keep them in the half court and let our defense get settled. Like our defense, I think is coming together now. Like we're playing better D than we than we was early. And again, some of that and part of that is is buy in and understanding how we defend. And it's again, it's the one thing we've done over the last couple of years. Like we we defend really well, and I think we're starting to get back to that. And like I said, I think Shea coming into that plays a plays a big part. But against them, it's taking away taking away the three ball and and not letting them get out in transition. And then whether you win or lose tonight, to back it up against the Crosstown rivals on Sunday, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, what does the recovery process look like for the group and the preparations heading towards that encounter, given it's such an action-packed weekend? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's it's tough. You know what I mean? You come back and you play against your home rival. But right now, to be honest, we're not even concentrating on them. We're just concentrating on the game tonight. And then, you know, when Sunday's game come around, we'll be prepared for it. You know, I think we'll get in. We'll have a little shoot around early and come back and be ready to battle against them at at 4 o'clock. But right now, and just we're just concentrating on that night game. I mean, mind you, we got our uh, multicultural jerseys coming on on Sunday. Our guys love playing in those, being, being that it's a multicultural game. And, again, the rivalry, play, I mean, it's a big part. Like, you're playing against a, a hometown rival. We know we know, we, we know what it's going to take. Like, we got a lot of guys that's been around. And we'll let all the, you know, all the new guys know what, it, what it's all about. And it's one of those games you got to come in and, and be ready. All a part of that culture too and embracing what it means to be a part of such a significant match. But as you say, that's Sunday and the attention firmly on tonight's encounter at the Cairns Convention Centre. United taking on at the Taipans. Daryl, good luck with tonight. Hopefully that you can return to Melbourne with the result that you need. You're currently sitting sixth on the ladder, four wins, four losses. To, to get ahead on the ledger would be important for United tonight. Thanks very much for taking some time out of your day to join us. Not a problem. Appreciate it. Daryl McDonald joining us from Melbourne United as they prepare to take on the Cairns Taipans tonight, who currently sit fourth on the ladder. To make it even more important this weekend for Melbourne United, the South East Melbourne Phoenix currently sit third in the NBL as well. So it's a very important weekend in the context. So early it is in the season for Melbourne United, but an important weekend against some quality Opposition, Daryl McDonald joining us there. We'll get back to some of your temper 40 winks texts on the other side of this. A lot's come through regarding the length of both the AFLW and AFL season and some further nominations about players who may have been a little underdone heading into a significant match and have either made an impact or haven't got the job done. And it's backfired taking the risk where that's inspired by Aaron Finch who is still up in the air as to whether or not he will be playing it tonight. It's Dwayne's World. Matthew Cox with you this afternoon here on SEN. A-Rod's giving me the wind-up, so that must mean we better get to a break. You're listening to Dwayne's World. Thanks to Brick Lane Brewing for lovers and makers of great beer. Drink responsibly. 
Brickland Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogo Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. For help getting your builder's registration? Call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Matthew Cox filling in for Dwayne this afternoon. We are here thanks to Brick Lane Brewing for lovers and makers of great beer. Drink responsibly after one o'clock. Shifter Sheehan's going to join us to take a look at some of the top draft prospects for medium defenders. Off the 40 Winks temper text, we've been talking about Aaron Finch, Ram from East Burwood. Green for Finch. Rest Finch up. And go Sri Lanka too. Well, we do rely on them, don't we? And Coxie, the run rate permutations are a waste of effort to me. It's simple. Australia win, Kiwis or Poms lose. That's from Stephen Wayala. That's what we need to keep it as simple as possible. Kevin Sheehan to join us after the news. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Master Builders Victoria, supporting Victorian builders for over 147 years. Not a member yet? All today. Dwayne Dwell with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to Dwayne's World this afternoon here on SEN. Matthew Cox sitting in the chair with you this afternoon. Great to have your company wherever you are listening to us this afternoon right around at the country. In a moment, Kevin Sheehan's going to join us to discuss the top prospects when it comes to medium defenders in this year's AFL draft. So we'll catch up with Shifter in a moment, Campbell Brown's going to review the Melbourne Cup Carnival thus far and look ahead to tomorrow's action as well. Nigel Carmody's going to join us. AFLW finals kick off tonight. There's also a little bit of racing. We might delve into the player management space with Nigel, uh, given that that was one of his uh, former occupations. So we'll have a chat to him after 2 o'clock this afternoon. And then Barat Sundarason will also join us regarding the ICC Men's T20 World Cup, which takes place tonight. And Australia's hopes, Aaron Finch's hopes, all that, the equations that uh, need to be worked out for Australia to progress through to the semi-final stage of the tournament. But right now, we're shifting our attention to the AFL draft. And Kevin Sheen has been good enough to join us this afternoon. Welcome to you, Kevin. Oh, Matt, uh, great to be with you. And thanks for having us on. A pleasure, a pleasure. Now, this week you've taken a look at the top prospects when it comes to medium defenders. Before we get into those prospects, for our listeners this afternoon, what style of player, if you were to compare it to one that is already running around in the AFL, what type of player are you looking at when it comes to this position? Well, I think the benchmark is always the All-Australians, isn't it, eh? The Tommy Stewarts or the Adam Sards and... Those prepared to really take the game on these days are the ones uh, succeeding at the highest possible level that uh, intercept mark and have got that dash and, and then have got the uh, both the vision and the penetrating kick that's needed to set the play up. Uh, so they're not the negating stopper, are they, as they might have been back in the day. Uh, they're a bit more exciting than that. And uh, I think our group has got a, yeah, yeah, some really exciting types of players from around Australia that uh, will appeal to the clubs that might be prioritising that, uh, that sort of position. Uh, I don't like the old American terms of the quarterback, but sometimes they're called that, aren't they? Because they, uh, they can be the one that gets freed up a little bit and then is the, the great user of the ball, the setter up of the play from down the, down, down the back half. So, uh, yeah, we think that uh, a pretty good groups available. We've profiled about 20, 18 
players in this bracket. Amongst the 139 that we've tested, Matt, over the last month or so through our combine program, so they're the most likely to get picked up when we get to the drafts that come up uh, 28th, 29th of November this year. Yeah, and the rookie draft also to follow on uh, the 30th. So let, let's start discussing some of these prospects. And the first one that I want to raise with you, Shifter, is Lachlan Cowan out of Tassie, who was the joint Morish medalist winner this year. Yeah, he was that. Uh, of course, um, Tassie now in the NAB League have been in the last three years, although it's been a bit... Uh, uh, not continuous in terms of uh, shutdowns and things, but they had a full year this year, and he had a great year. Uh, they play, of course, uh, week to week in the NAB League, but then they get to play in the Allies, the best of the boys, and uh, and he shaped up terrifically on the national stage uh, against the best uh, boys from Victoria, SAWA, uh, made all Australia at that level as well. So he, he's what I described earlier, I suppose. He's a, he's a bit of Tom Stewart in him in the way he reads the angles and, and certainly the way he kicks the footy. Uh, he's got some dash about him. He's strong, powerfully built youngster that, uh, that uh, is prepared to uh, you know, take some risks, uh, hit up those targets uh, through the midfield. And, and uh, he just strung together the games at a very, very high level. Um, Wrapped in the way he's unfolded, this youngster from uh, the northwest of Tassie. He's certain to be their first player selected. Is is he ready? No, this is the conversation which is becoming ever more prominent in my eyes, Shifter, that players that are coming out of the NAB League programs and the under-18 talent pathways, whether they're ready to step straight into the AFL. Is he a player in that category? Well, physically, he's ready. It, it depends on the club you go to, of course, with that. If he was to be taken by one of the clubs that uh, is in this uh, rebuild stage, yes, he, he'd play and play straight away because he's, he's uh, got a strong, mature body uh, at this particular time. And uh, But if he's, let's say, Geelong, it just might be hard to get into a club like Geelong that's uh, uh, really got an established group. So it depends very much. But, uh, yeah, if he was to go to one of the clubs uh, in a rebuild phase, he'd, he'd have, uh, I suppose, the, the form on the board, the confidence and, and the strong body to be able to cope with uh, some games at the AFL level. But I think with all these draftees, you're picking for two to three years' time. And uh, yeah, a great year might be 15 matches in the first year. It could be eight or nine. Clubs would be happy with that sort of an output from a first-year player. Uh, it's, uh, it's only the freaks of the game that, uh, that do what the Sam Walshers have done uh, over the years that, that come in and, and start straight away. And within three years, are all Australian. Uh, they're the rarity, but uh, you'd be happy if, if the boy's on course, having played a dozen or so games in his first year. There's a father-son prospect for South Australia. Fill us in about this particular person who is also in this medium defender category. Yeah, that's Max McElhaney. Um, that's this unusual rule, actually, because his dad didn't play AFL, but he played. his dad, Jim, played 200 games at Norwood. And over in SA, to compensate for the fact that the likes of, uh, let's say, Geelong and the established clubs from the original VFL have got their 100-game criteria for father-sons, the, the development or the, the new clubs out of SA, and call that Adelaide and Port, and Frio and West Coast, had to be given an opportunity to use a father-son uh, or, or to get a, a father-son prospect. And, and so the SA NFL was divided in half and four of the clubs uh, were allocated to Adelaide, four to Port 
and the benchmark was 200 games in SA uh, at, at club level. And uh, Jim McElhaney was a star for Norwood and a multiple premiership player back in the day. His boys unfolded to be a very good defender, an intercept player as well, a very good negating defender, also like Cowan and All-Australian. So his form was great for, for SA this year. And he finished the year himself at Norwood, playing in the finals and uh, uh, really benefited from that. So he's a wonderful development year. As a boy, a lovely size at 190. He's a third tall defender. You can play on that, uh, that guy that presents as the third marking target, if you like. Uh, very rangy kid, young Max. And, uh, yeah, Adelaide have committed to, 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 uh, to him uh, and have got really a couple of weeks to, to actually sign the paperwork to, see, to, to suggest they'd either match the bid or be prepared to take him as a rookie if, uh, if, if, if there's no bids for him. Uh, so that's the way that rule works. They have maybe told him privately that, uh, yes, they'll match the bid and take him at any spot, but that's up to the clubs to negotiate. But the kid wants to get to Adelaide. Uh, they want him, uh, and he certainly looks a prospect for the future. An exciting prospect for Crows fans tuning in this afternoon. Kevin Sheehan, AFL Talent Ambassador, joining us on Dwayne's World this afternoon. There's a couple of players out of WA that have also featured in the AFL Academy throughout the course of this season, Shifter, Sam Gilby and Jed Hagen. What can you tell us about those two individuals? Yeah, I like Gilby. Uh, I like them both, in fact, but Gilby's one that... uh, he might slip under the radar for, for quite a few clubs because of what can happen in a draft year. He's had Ill, illness and then injury. And so you've got a limited amount of information on him. But what I've seen both last year when, when uh, WA played some games at, against SA, uh, he's a boy from Claremont that he played for his state at under-17 level, is class. He's a left-footer with all that composure and class that you see uh, uh, down the back half by, with boys that can really kick the ball. Got great vision, sets the play up well. A lovely size at 187 as well. Lightly built, but has really progressed quite well, uh, this boy from Claremont. So uh, this left footer, I think, will get taken a bit later on. So he might be looking 30s or 40s, but I think he's got the quality to be an AFL player. And Jed Hagen's the other boy that, um, well, size doesn't stop you. He's one of those young fellas that at 175 he's not the tallest but he can play anywhere uh he can play in the back pocket he was picked all australian down the back pocket but he can also play on ball or even as a small forward uh and he's got some of that power you want in a smaller player too so he jumps he'll outreach guys that are bigger than him with his natural leap and he's a real uh, i suppose that a hard-edge type player as well. He pushed up and played the back half of the year in the seniors of East Fremantle, including in the finals. So he's had that uh, that experience as well. Uh, and uh, I think he's got that uh, that passion to play that you want to see in any recruit that's going to have an impact uh, because of his desire to succeed. So Jed Hagen, one to look for from East Fremantle. Whenever you see the Oakley Chargers or Sandringham Dragons listed as their state league club, you get a little bit excited because of the, the talent that they have produced over the years. So what can you tell us about Luke Teal from the Oakley Chargers and Jacob Anderson from the Sandringham Dragons? Well, Luke Teal, it's just about a replica of Sam Gilby, in fact, with, with his injuries. Uh, uh, had illness and injury through the year, Luke Till, but he's your prototype of a modern-type player at his size and mobility that can play half-back or wing, 
but just had that uh, that year that you know it just didn't all fall into place in terms of getting on the park, and so uh, it'd be a, a bit of a pluck later on. But he's still on course. He's still in the in that group of youngsters that are likely to get into the AFL in the next year or so. Let's just hope for, for his sake it's this year, but know that he's a wee bit underdone. Uh, Jacob Anderson's an interesting one that um, look um, he grows on you when you look at him closely, playing down in defence in that uh, he makes great decisions. He's composed and, and cool under pressure. He's a boy from Halbury College that played at Sandringham Dragons, played for Vic Metro as well, and had to make the choice late the year. He had a tight hamstring coming into the Nablu Grand Final to play for Sandy, and he had to pull out of that game and miss playing in a premiership side to be ready for the next Thursday night to play for Vic Metro. Uh, and he played very well. I think a very good decision in the finish, as it turned out. He was one of their best players in that game when they won the national title. Uh, but, you know, with a sore hamstring, he might have been able to do both. Uh, and so uh, sometimes you've got to make that hard call uh, for your own benefit. But, yeah, love his composure. He's usable on the way out's good. A terrific intercept marker. And that's young Jacob Anderson from uh, from Halebury and the Sandringham Dragons. Tight, tight hamstrings and big games, big moments. It's the topic of conversation <laughs> at the moment, isn't it, uh, Shifter, particularly <laughs> with the other sport taking place uh, tonight. And it's an interesting approach, though, that, the young kids, they're put into that pressure scenario to make that decision. Obviously, there's those that are surrounding them, providing them with advice. But to go through that kind of process, because down the line, in years' time, they may be on the verge of a grand final and have to make a very similar call. Well, that's the call of sport the whole time. Of course, you talked about Aaron Finch. We're all watching it so closely, aren't we? Uh, just to see what, uh, which way he goes and, and uh, whether it is the right call for him and the team. Uh, but that's, that's sporting life, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, these experiences uh, uh, yeah, are pretty priceless down the track uh, for any boy wanting to get into professional sport. But uh, you're going to have to make some hard calls at different times. And, and coaches will make hard calls on you. Sometimes it'll be injury illness. Sometimes will be on your lack of confidence or form. So at times it will be a bit of a disappointment. And, uh, gee, all the coaches and all the, the mentors over the years keep telling us, or make you more resilient, son. You'll get through it. You'll come out the other side. And, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of sport. You, you do back up and get another chance down the track. And I think uh, that, that's uh, been, I suppose, the example that, that Jacob Anderson has been able to, uh, to use himself in chatting about his own uh, uh, career as a young 18-year-old aspiring to get into the AFL. Was there anyone else through the draft combine shifter that caught your attention that are a medium defender prospect when it comes to the draft? Well, you could pick any one of them, but the boys out of Victoria, a kid called um, Rye Penny, a boy that, uh, well, he's, he's the definition of a first-choice athlete. We talk about that, but you can't be an athlete alone. You've got to be a footballer as well. But this boy really made everyone stand up and take notice when he blew away all the records uh, at our testing at the combine level. Um, his, his running vertical jump was bigger than Nick Natanui's. <laughs> Nick uh, did a 102 uh, when he was 17 years of age, uh, quite a number of years ago now. And as a ruckman, that's an important uh, attribute to have that spring at centre bounce. Now, Ryan Penny's a, he's a boy that plays across the half-back line, uh, but... 
that that vertical jump converts into great contested marks. And so he take a couple of rippers this year. Can stand in the shoulders. He's quick as he's quick in the top bracket too for speed of 2.84 seconds over 20 metres. That sets him apart. They're real weapons for him. Um, that sort of athleticism helped him get into that final deciding game too when the two Vicks come together in September for that national championship decider uh, off a you know, off his off the back flank, uh, and so he, that gives him a chance of getting into the AFL system. But uh, he's testing this boy from the Calder Cannons was so elite that the clubs will have a good look at his game tape for the year and consider him as a possibility for them. And you can find the details of all the players that fit into this category through the AFL Draft Hub as we build up towards the National Draft on Monday, November 28th, Tuesday, November 29th, the Rookie Draft also on Wednesday, the 30th of November. Shifter, as we let you go this afternoon, the medium-tall midfielders, they're going to be on the agenda next week. Any little tease that you could provide us with as we let you go? Oh, I think they're they're the superstars of this year's draft. It's been talked up already. It's going to be a midfield top 10 almost, not exclusively, but uh, yeah, there's some real quality in that area. Uh, and of course, headed by Will Ashcroft, of course, who, uh, well, he had a Dacos type year, the way he played, he dominated all levels of footy. So he's the headline act, but gee, there's plenty of others. Uh, great depth in, in that midfield. So if you're looking for, well, let's just exaggerate it and say the uh, the next Joel Selwood or Paddy Dangerfield, uh, you'd hope that they might be in this uh, in this group of more than 30 players that we'll have in this category next week uh, as we uh, get into the, the medium and the tall midfielders. And, uh, gee, they read really well this group of players that uh, that have been assembled for this year's draft. Well, we look forward to hearing about those over the coming week. Kevin Sheen, thanks for joining us this afternoon here on Dwayne's World. Uh, pleasure, and thanks for having us on. Good luck to all the contenders for this year's draft. We're looking forward to it. We absolutely are. Kevin Sheehan, the shifter, joining us this afternoon here on Dwayne's World, going through the medium defenders. And again, if you want some further information about those uh, prospects, there's a list of about 20 that uh, Shifter has profiled over the course of uh, the year, and in particular, the Draft Combine. You can head to the AFL website and the AFL Draft Hub to get more of an insight into those prospects and how they may potentially Fill a spot at your club when the draft rocks around at the end of the month. Let's reopen the lines. It's not midday, but we'll continue with some madness here on uh, Dwayne's World. Call us on the Werribee Kia open line, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. one 736 736 to give us a call. We've been running uh, well, various conversations this afternoon. The length of the AFL season, the length of the AFLW season, given some comments that Nicole Livingston made a little earlier today on SEN Breakfast. Aaron Finch and his chances, Australia's chances of progressing through to the semi-final of the ICC Men's T20 World Cup. And also players who may have been underdone or they've had an injury risk heading towards a significant match. When has it backfired and when has the risk paid off? You can keep sending through your nominations. There's a whole host of 40 Wings temper texts that have come through over the course of the last hour. So we'll get through a few of those on the other side of this. Uh, the 40 Wings temper texts, get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Wings serious about sleep, SEN Afternoons or Dwayne's World is thanks to Kogan Mobile. Make the call, switch to Kogan Mobile. Matthew Cox with you this afternoon here on SEN.
Brickland Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Koga Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Help get your builder's registration. Call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne Twirl with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Matthew Cox filling in this afternoon with you. You can jump on the line, one 736 736 The Werribee Kia open line awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying at cars easy. Or you can send through a 40 Wings temper text on 0433-98-1116. We'll get to those in a moment. But just some news that's emerged over the course of the last hour or so. Josh Gablich from afl.com.au reporting that Brendan Goddard is returning it to Moorabbin, having accepted a development coaching role, working under Damien Carroll. So the band is well and truly getting back together at Moorabbin. First Lenny Hayes, then you had Ross Lyon, Robert Harvey now part of it, and now BJ returning it to the St Kilda Football Club. And wonder how that may improve their fortunes. Andrew's in Nidri and joins us on the line, wanting to have a chat about the draft. Paul, afternoon to you, Andrew. Yep. Oh, good going, Matt. Um, look, thank you for taking my call. I've got a bit of cold, so bear with us. Um, I, I was listening to your conversation with Shifter there in relation to um, the draft and the young players getting picked up, but really the uh, elephant in the room is that unless you go to an elite private school, for a, either for a scholarship or you're just fortunate enough to go to a private school, those private schools, your chance of getting picked up in the AFL draft is virtually uh, diminishing year by year. And um, I think the AFL needs to have a look at this because we've brought in, I think, the American system um, of, of scholarships and private school, the elite 10 or 12 private schools in Melbourne have captured and basically uh, paying for a lot of um, uh, talent going to their to their club uh, to their schools for to to go through their system so they get picked up in the AFL so it's a selling point for them uh, to get more students but um, yeah because I know a, a number of kids or young people who 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 have got uh, taken scholarships from government schools to go across to the private school system because of that. Um, and um, and I know a lot of young because I used to be involved in the footy scene, junior footy for a long time, and um, and I know a lot of good footballers who play local footy who could have potentially be AFL footballers don't even get you know they're basically gone before they're 16, 18, um, they're out of the system you know and basically give the game away because of it. Yeah, in a lot of respect, it, they're it, not not been encouraged. Yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation and it, it seems to bob up every year doesn't it Andrew about the, the the pathway itself and how complex it can become particularly when you've got school footy involved the continuity the different programs that kids have to go through as well do we actually get to see and then you add the the state level championships on top of that and it does raise the question do you get extra advantage by being a part, a part of a, a private school system and 
do you get left behind if you if you're not? It's an intriguing conversation, and if you've got thoughts on it out there as well, send through a forty winks temper text on oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. But it does seem to be getting more and more complex, and I think the fact that the last few years have been COVID interrupted too haven't certainly helped this situation. Is it a big problem out there? Do you feel? One three hundred seven three six seven three six or oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. More of your calls and texts on the other side of the news. And Campbell Brown's going to join us in the next half hour to take a look at tomorrow's racing, and we'll just see how he's pulled up after what was a pretty big Derby Day, Cup Day, and Oaks Day. Cruising into the Friday afternoon here on Dwayne's World. Matthew Cox filling in for you this afternoon. No credit going to out the back for that, that song, unfortunately. I'll take credit for it. Thank you very much. Uh, off the 40 Wings temper text. Uh, regarding Australia's situation, I threw it out there a little earlier. I'm shocking with mathematics. So if you were prepared to try and unravel the mathematical equation uh, for tonight... Uh, Jace off the 40 wings temper text has given it a shot. They probably need a bat first, make 220 and bowl them out for 80 90. I can't do the math either, but it'll be something like that. I'll take your word for it. You've gone further than what I've been prepared to, Jace. Uh, and we've been talking a little bit about the footy fixture in general, and it's off the back of a conversation that Nicole Livingston had on breakfast with Sam Edmund. And David King a little earlier today when posed about whether or not the AFLW is going to move to a 17-round season in the not-too-distant future. And from the way that Nicole answered the question, it seems as though there's going to be a period of settledness now for the AFLW given its, its expansion over the years and um, how, how much it's expanded. So hopefully to try and settle things down now and build some strong foundations for the future and a 17-round season may not be a part of that in the short term, but looking long-term, potentially a part of it. And it provokes the question from me as to whether or not you'd like to see the even playing field, not only in the AFLW to have the 17-round seasons, but also bring it back to the AFL season and whether there'd be more use in playing 17 games rather than the 22 at the moment to try and even up the draw and even the equation. Uh, Alex says footy fixtures becoming very uneven, so making them even and a shorter regular season would be great. Just expand the AFL finals for the extra rounds we lost. I'm not sure how exactly you'd, you'd format that, Alex, but I do, I'm, I don't know, I'm interested in the, the tension that do or die encounters. And if you had less games whether or not that creates more meaning for the season or there's more at stake in encounters. Continue to share your thoughts on the 40 Winks temper text or you can give us a call on the Werribee Kia open line like Muhammad has, who's going to change direction for us this afternoon and speak about a decision that we found out about yesterday with the Collingwood Football Club and their CEO. Afternoon to you, Muhammad. Coxie, how you been, mate? Good. No, more tradies news. <laughs> no, not, not on Friday. You got a nice little sleep in the, this morning, but back on the deck for uh, tradies on... Tuesday morning, your CEO situation at the Collingwood Football Club. What are your thoughts on it? Mate, I've got two options and you can't go wrong. Either James Clement or Craig Kelly. 
Well, Craig Kelly, would he be prepared to uh, exit the role that he is currently in and the successful management business that he runs? And James Clement, remind me, Mohammed, where, where has he been for the last few years? I know he's got some great business now, but we haven't heard his name for, for too long. Some of him, but, some of him but, but he used to be a champion player at Collingwood, as you know. You know, many of Anzac Day games that we bet you. <laughs> yes, he was a very, very, very good uh, defender. What about Xavier Campbell's name? He's been floated as taking over. Would Would you no, accept sorry. accept him? Nothing from Essendon. Sorry, Coxie. No, I can completely understand that as a Collingwood supporter. It'll be interesting to see what path they go down. For those that didn't hear the news yesterday, Mark Anderson... Uh, has stepped down from the CEO role of the Collingwood Football Club, having spent five years in the role. And curiously, Graham Wrights has stepped in as the interim chief executive, who's the football boss at the Collingwood Football Club. So until the replacement is named, uh, Graham Wright is going to fulfil that position. But it creates another CEO opportunity across the AFL landscape. Not only are we looking one for the competition, but we're also searching for one at Essendon. North Melbourne, and now Collingwood, you can add to the list uh, as well. Appreciate the call, uh, Muhammad. We'll uh, continue to take your calls. In fact, we'll quickly go to David prior to the break to talk about the season length. Dave, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I heard, I think, a bit of your preamble. Is it Matt, is it? Yes, yeah, Matthew Cox. Your name, Matt? Yep. Yeah. G'day, Matt. Now, look... Uh, the complications are is you've got to have a certain number of games per season for the uh, TV and whatever to want to give the same amount of money. Now, if you if you um, just play 17 rounds for 18 teams, you're going to end up with about just over 150 games prior to finals. Uh, and at the moment, it's, I think it's 198 because it's 22 two rounds. Now... I think the thing is, we'll get Tasmania in, make it 19, uh, get another team to 20, and then if you have uh, playing each other once, it'll be 19 rounds, and that'll come out to about 190 games. So it'll be closer to, you know, to the amount of um, exposure you get on TV. So I think it's that's one of the things a lot of people don't take into account. But I, I would agree it would bring a lot of integrity into the competition if you, you know, played each other. Uh, once. And do you think, Dave, given that it is a and there's been a few text messages that have suggested the same thing, given the, the broadcast rights and now the long-term deal that's been signed on that front, so there is a minimum quota of footy, but do you, do you think it would open the opportunity to be a bit creative, to fulfil the lack of games that would exist if we were to move to a shorter season, to be able to dr- introduce another carnival type of fixture that that may be able to satisfy both the appetite for us seeking more football, but also the, the broadcast rights? Do you think that's an option? Well, it's possible, but I think, uh, you know, because it's going year after year, people like a, a, a consistent thing that they, they know how it occurs, you know. Um, I, I think you'd have to think it through very carefully before um, attempting it. But, um, um, but anyway, I think that... The main thing is, is that's why they have 22 rounds is so that you can get um, enough content in for the uh, broadcasters. Mm. And but I think the simple, I, I think look, the answer is pretty obvious. You get a 19th team, possibly get a 20th, whether that's uh, Northern Territory or, what, or however you do it. 
that would suddenly just about solve your problem and, uh, and go go one play each other once. Well, maybe in ten or twenty years' time, we might be able to achieve that. It'll be interesting conversation. When we get to that point, Dave, appreciate you giving us a call this afternoon and sharing your thoughts on that front. We'll take a break here on Dwayne's World. Matthew Cox with you this afternoon. Thanks to Kogan Mobile. Make the call. Switch to Kogan Mobile. Campbell Brown on the other side of this. Brickland Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Help getting your builder's registration. Call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to Dwayne's World this afternoon. Matthew Cox filling in and very uh, pleased to be joined in the studio by the one and only Campbell Brown, who... In my eye, looks a little dusty after Oaks Day yesterday, Brownie. Big week. <laughs> it's been a big week. It's It's been described to me as like Christmas, but when you have Christmas four times in the space of a week, you start to get over the presents. How, how, how is the stamina? How, how do you keep finding a way to oh, keep going? I can going? stay all day. There's no worries about that. Um, I am gold trip. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, look, when you mix... Work, business and pleasure all together, uh, it becomes a tipping point. So, no, it's been fantastic. I won't be out on the track Saturday, tomorrow, um, but I've been there every every other day. And uh, while the crowds have been down and the weather hasn't been as well as we we would have liked, I think it's just fantastic to have crowds back at Flemington. The racing has been sensational. I was going to ask that, given that it's the first time that we've had this atmosphere again for for a couple of years, just to be embracing that once again must be special. Yeah, it is. It really is. And and the racing's lived up to all the expectations. I, you know, I think um, it was queried whether the depth of the, the Melbourne Cup field and some of the racing here in Victoria has been as strong this year. Um, probably hasn't been, but that hasn't taken away from the fantastic wins. And we've seen some ripping performances. I mean, Gold Trip, you know, defied history having carried the top weight. Um you know, it only had the one career victory, you know, and then goes on and wins the Melbourne Cup, having done uh, the Crawford Cup, Cox Plate, Melbourne Cup treble, which uh, hasn't been done since th- 2017. Humidor ran in those three and was building. Um, Ma used to stay, was absolutely flying. And, and I like a redemption story. You know, Mark Sarr has been a terrific jockey for a long period of time. Um, obviously had the COVID situation last year, had the suspension with Jamie Carr and a few others, and um, a deserved winner. Is that the biggest story of the week for you, or has there been other ones that have been floating under the radar? Oh, th- that's the big one. I think, um, you know, she's extreme winning the Oaks. Yes, so the, the ride by Tommy Berry was superb to cut back to the, the rail and, and, and the best horse won. I think that White Marlin, the gay uh, Wardhouse Adrian Bott performance, was breathtaking, uh, expecting to see that horse, you know, First Tuesday of November next yeah, year. Yep. I mean, they're already discussing um, Sydney Cup, Melbourne Cup, bang. Um, I wouldn't be jumping into the price at the moment because a lot can happen in 12 months. But that that was that was unbelievable. You, you simply don't see horses win by eight, nine lengths uh, in, in a field like that, albeit an, another race that wasn't overly strong. But what a performance. So, so j- Just on that, what then does it need to prove over the next 12 months? We've seen this display now, yeah. over the next 12 months, what does it take to convince you that it is a legitimate horse that could win next year's Melbourne well, Cup? Well, I mean, if it goes to the Sydney Cup, which we're, we're not entirely sure if it will, um, 
He just needs to keep winning. You know, the, the horse is unbeaten. Um, what it did over in, in Europe, it's come here. It's starting to replicate that. A couple of really nice wins on, you know, heavy and soft tracks too. So it, it looks like uh, it can just, it could run 5,000 metres if it wanted to. So nice sustained speed. Um, just keep just keep uh, ticking off the boxes that they put in front of it. And, and I mean, Gay... How fantastic to have Gay Waterhouse with, you know, one of the favourites for next year's Melbourne Cup already. Can you imagine how much mileage she's going to get out of the next 12 months? Yeah, going to keep us talking. That's <laughs> yeah, a, just exactly. a little, little bit of fodder for us to play with over the next 12 <laughs> months. Last day of the Melbourne Cup Carnival. I know you said you're not going to be on course Thank God. tomorrow. <laughs> well, you haven't done the whole hog, though, then. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a bit of a poor poor performance from you, if that's the case. Yeah, I know, but uh, you need to know your limitations. <laughs> oh, old age catching up with you, Brownie. More importantly, my wife has specifically <laughs> said no more. I said, I might just duck out there on Saturday, you know, just as a spectator, not it's a chance. family day. Family day, but um, when you don't take the family, it's easy. <laughs> I'm assuming, though, you have done the form for tomorrow. Had a, a little sneak peek at what the chances are. Where, where are we looking tomorrow? Oh, I'm really keen to have a, um, a three-race multi here. And, and look, we're not going to defy science or anything, but in the champion sprint, Nature Strip will bounce back. Just It drew out wide in the Everest. Um, you know, it got, it got taken on a little bit, and deservedly tired late. And you're talking about the best sprinters in the world. They ran over the top of it late, but um, it'll be keen to bounce back. Now, I heard Chris Wallace say it'll be good to be going to Flemington on Saturday and, and being the underdog. Now, I'm not sure it's the underdog. It's the best sprinter in the world. So he's um, he might have just been trying to downplay Nature Strip, but it's a $1.85. I mean, I'm fully expecting it to bounce back. Um, in the Champions Mile, this is a fantastic race. This is one of the races of the carnival here. I was in the stands on Cox Plate Day when Chris Judd just turned to me and said, oh, Brandy, you know I've got a horse in the next race, my Oberon. Annabelle Neesham trains it. We bought it from over in, in uh, England. He, he replayed the voice message that she sent to the owners. And to be quite honest, I didn't back it because of it. it they talked it down. It's not fully fit. You know, it's a mile. Um First up here in Australia, he won by five lengths. It, maybe it wasn't five, but it, it it had the race sewn up. Got the three votes. At the at the 350-meter mark. We turned and we high-fived, and I went, wow, that was a performance and a half. Straight to Group 1 Champions Mile. Um, I think it wins. I think it wins. It's a really strong field, but it's $4.60, so that's where the value is. And then we go to the champion stakes, and Animo hasn't been beaten this preparation and we'll take on the world next year at some stage. We'll probably get a, a race or two in the autumn, and then it'll go over to Dubai or uh, England, you know, and th- this horse is Godolphin's absolute star. It'll win again. You know, and, and it's fantastic that James Cummings and, uh, the, and you know, Sheikh Mohammed, they want to run it because it's really made tomorrow. You know, it was already a good card. It's, it's made it a, a, a Brilliant race day. In fact, it's the it's the best day of the four. Best day of the four. Yep, no doubt, no doubt you, whatsoever. You, you're adamant in that. Absolutely. After all that we've seen and all the stories lines that we've played out over the last three days of the carnival, this is the best you one. You've got Nature Strip running. You've got Animo running. You've got a, a, a fantastic race meet. Almost every race is a cracker. Um, I'm malting those up. Nature Strip, Myobron, Animo, uh, 16 to 1. Fingers crossed.
Fingers crossed indeed. Uh, best bet of the day, any roughies? Oh, not really. I'm just going to anchor those three. Uh, my, my, my tipping form has been up and down. It's been a really tough carnival for the punter. Um, if you've looked wide you know, at 20 to 1 pops and you've been able to jag one or two, you've, you've probably had a good carnival. But Miles Fitzler put on an absolute display yesterday. But um, it's been pretty tough for the punters. But hopefully that can... That can be our uh, Christmas turkey. Finish on a high. Maybe a bit of Christmas pudding as well. <laughs> yeah, I'll be eating that. Yeah. Go rest up, Brownie. Thanks for joining Thanks, us again. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Koga Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. For help getting your builder's registration, call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne Twirl with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Thanks to Brick Lane Brewing for lovers and makers of great beer. Drink responsibly. Up after the news, Nigel Carmody is going to join us to preview the AFLW finals, which kick off tonight at Icon Park. Melbourne taking on at the Adelaide Crows. And we'll see if we can get a tip out of him, given his work with Racing.com as well. And a little later in the hour, Brat Sunderason is going to join us to help preview Tonight's do or die encounter for the Aussies over at the Adelaide Oval against Afghanistan. We'll, of course, get back to your calls and your 40 Winks temper texts as well. Matthew Cox with you this afternoon here on STM. The great pleasure to have your company here on Dwayne's World. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Koga Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Master Builders Victoria, supporting Victorian builders for over 147 years. Not a member yet? Call today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to Dwayne's World on this Friday afternoon. Matthew Cox filling in the chair for Dwayne this afternoon. Uh, we're here thanks to Master Builders Victoria. Get expert OH&S support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. A little later this hour, we're going to catch up with Barat Sundarason as we preview tonight's do or die encounter at the Adelaide Oval, Oval Australia taking on Afghanistan. And we're hoping to see... Um, whether or not Aaron Finch, we still haven't got any news on that front at the moment. So it's still a, a watch, a wait, and to see at the moment for uh, whether or not Aaron Finch will participate in tonight's encounter, and Tim David, for that matter of fact, as well, as to whether or not he will pull up. Uh, Marcus Stoyner seems as though he, uh, he is going to be uh, playing tonight for the Aussies. But let's turn our attention now to the AFLW. Nigel Carmody joins us on the line. And a reminder, you can watch all four AFLW finals this weekend, live and free on 7 and 7 Plus. Good afternoon to you, Nigel. Thanks for your time. No, pleasure, Matthew. Good to be with you. Hope everyone's having a good Friday afternoon, particularly seeing a bit more sun out, which augurs well for a good weekend of footy and racing in our town. Absolutely, it does, and we might pick your brain when it comes to the racing front shortly. We had Brownie on a little earlier, but I'm not sure he might be a bit underdone, so we might need your help and assistance to find a winner uh, tomorrow night. But let's take a look firstly at the AFLW. How have you seen, obviously it's a busy time of year for you focusing on the, the two different sports. How have you seen the AFLW in this time slot? I think it's worked. Yeah, it was a, it was a big decision, and it's obviously put a great deal of on players, coaches, and everyone else involved in the entire 
competition, but I think in time it's going to be uh, short-term pain for a long-term gain. I think this is a, a good time slot for the league to live in. Obviously, we've had an unprecedented amount of rain in October along the East Coast, but I don't think that's had a major detriment on the footy, to be frank. And you look at the ladder, I think people had some concerns that 18 teams would mean we'd have the, a bit of a long tail, but uh, from what I've seen of all the expansion teams, I think there's there's a lot to like about where they're going to head in the future, and the fact that we get eight teams who get an opportunity to play finals and that the top four sides are rewarded with a double chance, I think just sets it up for a great month of footy ahead. First time that we're seeing the top eight in existence in the AFLW as well this season. From my eye, Nigel, I, I feel as if the continuity that the AFLW programs have had this year, because there was such a short turnaround between season six and season seven, there's been a, a dramatic increase in the skill level and also the strategic nows of AFLW players. Do you share that opinion? I wouldn't say it's dramatic, but I definitely think it's improved. And whether you can link that to the fact that we had the summer season at the beginning of the calendar year, and we now obviously have got some players this weekend who are going to play you know, their 21st game of AFLW for the season. There's got to be something beneficial in that. I, I do draw some parallels between the shared experience that some of these teams have had now, that you've got groups that have played the best part of 30 to 50 games together. They've developed a core now, and I think once you have that, you see cohesive continuity continuity in their play and their style. And, yeah, I think there's then been some, some subtle tweaks by some coaches along the way, and Geelong are probably a good example in Richmond as well in the second half of the season where you've just seen them go through the roof once they've been able to... Uh, have a bit of confidence, I suppose, to play a slightly more bolder style of footy. And those storylines, the continuity for the the likes of Richmond, Geelong, even the Western Bulldogs, you can loop into this category. And then you've got the top end of town in Melbourne, Adelaide and Brisbane, who have been perennials, haven't they? The top of the competition, they've been the ones to beat consistently year in, year out. Do, Do you see that changing in any way, shape or form in this final series? Do you... Do you see an upset on the horizon or do you think they're just too settled, those top three sides? Finals footy. There's upsets always a brewing and I think we get enticing matchups this weekend. The fact that you get Melbourne and Adelaide, a grand final rematch from the previous season on opening night tonight at Icon is a, is a tantalising prospect, particularly for the fact that Adelaide get Chelsea Randall back into their team who's so crucial to their structure and then the fact that Richmond are the only team that have had Brisbane's measure through the home and away season. They, they're really good matchups. So uh, I think it's not a lay down Mazaire that it's just Brisbane and Melbourne and, and through they go this weekend. That may be very much how it plays out. But I think those games are, are pretty evenly poised and it's a similar story in the bottom half of the eight. I'm going to be doing the Collingwood and Bulldogs game for seven on Sunday at Victoria Park. And you've got Teams at the end of the home and away season are separated by a mere couple of goals in terms of percentage. Collingwood have had a tough couple of weeks after a pretty consistent season. They snuck through in a, a couple of games. And then on the flip side, the Bulldogs, they're not playing four quarters of footy, but their best footy at the moment is scaring the life out of teams. So oh, nothing would shock me from the four finals this weekend, which I think is something that whether you're a fan, the AFL, or a broadcaster like ourselves, it's exactly what you want to be looking forward to. It is, it is, and it makes it even more intriguing. As I said before, it's the first time that we've had this structure of finals in the AFLW, so that adds another layer of unpredictability. So if I was to force you to put your name on the line, Nigel, who are you tipping in the four games across the weekend? 
Uh, Brisbane and Melbourne to win the preliminary final, so we'll probably um, go against being as open-minded as I was in the previous response, but I, I do think generally they'll be close games. And then I can make a case that the lower-ranked teams will win the other two elimination finals. So the Bulldogs to to knock off Collingwood do wait with bated breath to see uh, the the selections for the, both these two games. I think whatever the composition of the Geelong North teams that mob tonight ahead of that match tomorrow is fascinating, given there's uh, injury issues in both camps, and then whether we see Ruby Slicer for Collingwood's going to be crucial to their uh, chances come Sunday. But I like the dogs. I've called them the last couple of weeks, and I think, again, Ellie Blackburn's playing football at a level that few others can get to at the moment. And then if she can find a way to have a, a burst in the game like she did last Friday night against Carlton, I think that might be enough for the dogs to advance. And they've got form when it comes to close encounters, given what happened against Adelaide a little earlier in the year where they were able to hang on. So... I think I might be sharing that tip uh, with you, Nigel, in what looks certain to be a a great game of Victoria Park on Sunday. And as I mentioned before, you can catch all four AFLW finals this weekend live and free on 7 and 7 Plus. Your attention, though, has been on the racing scene and particularly at Flemington over the, the past week. Just sum up the experience for us. We've heard a lot of people talk about the fact that we've had a full crowd and the atmosphere back at at racing over the course of this spring carnival. Sum up what it's been like for you. It's been fantastic. The five and a half on Derby Day last year when we'd been in hiatus from having crowds at sporting events since the middle of winter in 2021 felt massive. And then when it went to 10 for Cup uh, Derby, it was Cup Oaks and then, then the final day last year, it did feel incredible. So yeah, the fact that this year I think we've had somewhere in the vicinity of 200,000 across the first three days. It's been brilliant. It's, it's been the sort of last link in the chain, I guess, across the last three years to have a, a totally open spring carnival with the Caulfield Carnival, the Cox Plate, and then obviously now as many people as they want turning up to the, the Melbourne Cup Carnival as well. Yesterday had a, had a really nice atmosphere. I think Oaks Day perhaps had a halcyon period in the late 90s and early 2000s with some massive crowds where it was even at times, I think, the the most attended of the four days of the week. I think in some respects it's good that it's been paired back now and it's maybe slightly more relaxed in terms of the crowd size, but it was nonetheless abundant in terms of atmosphere yesterday and it sets up beautifully for tomorrow. Lee Jordan and the VRC and a number of other people who've been tossing this idea around of trying to form a champion-style day, not dissimilar to the Hong Kong International Day or what we see at Ascot in October, They've orchestrated it and it was a big move to attach the name champions to it because there was perhaps no guarantee you were going to get the fields to match. But that's certainly been the case across the the three events, the sprint, the mile and the stakes. They're just mouthwatering matchups aplenty and it could be the coronation of Animoto win five group ones across the spring and then the fact you get the rematch of Nature Strip versus Diggy Kick out of the Everest, but the chances of that race don't end there. It's going to be a pretty phenomenal day at Flemington. And you can catch all the action live on racing.com, Channel 78, and I'm going to do it again to you, Nigel. If you're forced to put your name to a couple of selections, what would they be across the day tomorrow at Flemington? Well, thankfully, Matt, I'm in the host chair, so uh, I leave that to the experts. <laughs> Typically, uh, Ben Ascari, Brent Sarafa, Clint Hudson, who do a fantastic job as a lot of the form analysts on racing.com do do but uh hard to color outside the lines you know i think the features the the states looks an animo on thunderstruck battle for mine 
Uh, I'll be intrigued at how the Flemington track plays tomorrow with the rail out nine metres and, and what sort of ground you can make. If if you can make reasonable ground and there is speed on in the mile, then I give Cascadian a really strong chance of of being able to perhaps eyeball private eye in that contest. And then, yeah, the sprint, uh, Nature Strip trying to win three daily sprint titles, having, or he's going to run in the race for the fourth straight year, which in itself is a remarkable effort. But uh, there's some chances down the bottom. The two three-year-olds, I wouldn't limit it to Giga Kick. I think Lofty Strike was our best two-year-old in Victoria before he unfortunately couldn't take his place in a blue diamond. He struck heavy tracks in the blue sapphire, and then last week in the Cornwall Stud Stakes, he gets back on a firm surface. I think Julius Sando wouldn't be sending him to this race without thinking he's a, a light chance of shaking the life out of it. So I think he's a, a good chance. And the Kiwi Levante, who ran really well, was perhaps the best of the runners on her side of the track in the new market back in March. I think this is a, a set play from, from her trainers, the Kelsos. So I'll be watching for her late in the sprint as well. And then outside of that, it's a really strong card. Give chances to the, the likes of Sweeten for the Hayes boys in race three. And also I think uh, pounding in race two for... The Moody camp back onto a good track. We saw it run the Quinella with Aesop on Underwood Stakes Day, and there's a big divergence in their prices in the second event. So a uh, couple there to hone in on. I also think Foxy Frieda, it's a, another one that I think it looks like it's been a long-range target for Andrew Noblet and Damien Oliver to get her to the matriarch and give her a really strong chance in that tomorrow too. I'm putting all that down in the, the book in front of me, uh, Nigel, so I might have to hold you to account as I am with Brownie on uh, his selections that he's given us. As well here on Dwayne's World this afternoon. A reminder, you can catch all the action from Flemington tomorrow on Racing.com Channel 78. Just before I let you go, Nigel, it's an intriguing time of year when it comes to the AFL space, the listed free agents. You're now out of the player management uh, sphere. Take us into the insight into what this type of time of year is like for player managers and those players that are on the outside at the moment looking for a way in? What are the discussions that are being held, et cetera? Just take us, give us an insight into, into that if you can. I think there's sort of a rolling dialogue that happens now and it almost feels like the player movement windows never close between the delisted free agency and then obviously the, the SSP rules that have come in and given so many players and clubs opportunities and then you toss in the mid-season rookie draft come the latter part of autumn next year. It's uh, it's great now that players and clubs have such flexibility. And I was delighted to see Fergus Green just scrolling through my phone between races yesterday, having been given an opportunity by the Hawks. Of course, he had a couple of years on the Western Bulldogs list. He's been an asset for the Box Hill Hawks in the VFL for the last couple of years. And he well and truly deserves his opportunity off the back of what he's done for Box Hill. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of opportunity for, for clubs peering their way through this and I suppose assessing what, what their various positions are in regards to how many list spots do they have, what do they anticipate the strength of their draft handies and then the strength of the draft overlaid with that and whether you, you're looking to bring in an, a younger talent by the draft who's untried or you perhaps feel like there's something out there that can have a more instant impact for you at, at, at a bit of a bargain basement price as well and there's been some tremendous stories. One of the probably last things, uh, last couple of years for me as a player agent, having a guy like Ben Keyes, delisted by Brisbane, given in a lifeline by the Adelaide Crows as a rookie, and he's he's grabbed that with both hands over the last three years. I think there's so many more of those stories to unfold, and thankfully, the list rules are now so flexible that it gives plenty of guys an opportunity to take opportunities if clubs grant them. Do you, do you miss it, or would you prefer to sit in the commentary box or out at Flemington? 
<laughs> I'm very lucky to be sitting in the positions I am, Matthew, uh, to be calling the footy and then obviously having a, a role front and centre with days like uh, what we're going to see tomorrow at Flemington is uh, is a blessing. But uh, lucky enough to still maintain some pretty close relationships with the people I've dealt with over my time in the game through the, the player management sphere, whether it's clubs, my old colleagues at TLA, or, of course, former clients too. So probably got the best of both worlds. Yeah, well, I think I agree with you on that uh, on that front. Uh, good on you, Nigel. Appreciate you joining us for a chat this afternoon. It's a big weekend ahead, not only in the racing scene, but also for AFLW as the Season 7 finals get underway. Good luck with the call on Sunday with Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs. We look forward to your coverage of that and also at Flemington tomorrow as well. Thanks for joining us. Anytime, Matthew. Thank you. Nigel Carmody joining us and a quick reminder, all four AFLW finals this weekend, live and free on 7 and 7 Plus. It kicks off tonight, 7.10 Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Melbourne taking on the Adelaide Crows, the grand final rematch from earlier in the year. That's the first qualifying final. Brisbane take on Richmond at Metricon Stadium tomorrow afternoon. That match kicking off at 10 past four Australian Eastern Daylight Time. The Cats taking on North Melbourne down at GMHBA Stadium tomorrow night. And the game that Nigel will be on the call for, the Pies and the Dogs from Victoria Park on Sunday, 10 past three local time there. Let's reopen the Werribee Kia open line. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to give us a call. We can send through a 40 Winks temper text on 0433981116. It's Dwayne's World this afternoon. Matthew Cox in the chair with you. Thanks to Kogan Mobile. Make the call. Switch to Kogan Mobile today. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogo Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Help getting your builder's registration. Call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne Dwell with Dwayne Russell. Time for Lost in the Wash this afternoon here on Dwayne's World. Matthew Cox filling in uh, for you this afternoon. A reminder, the Werribee Kia open line awarded National Care Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to give us a call. But recapping some of the news that you may have got lost in the wash a little bit throughout the course of the day. Uh, repeating what we found out a little bit earlier, uh, Brendan Goddard looks set to be the latest signing at St Kilda. So the band is well and truly getting back together at Moorabbin's. Ross Lyon, Robert Harvey, Lenny Hayes, and now Brendan Goddard is the next figure. He's accepted a development coaching role under Damien Carroll. We'll start with the Saints in the coming weeks, 37 years of age and synonymous with Saints fans and also spent a period of time at the Bombers, but he's back at Moorabbin in a development coaching role. Did it excite you, Saints fans? It was this speculation that he could be one of those that would be returning to the club when all this turmoil unfolded a couple of weeks ago. And that has been confirmed this afternoon. Brennan Goddard returning to the Saints. The other bit of news that uh, has emerged throughout the course of the day, and it involves the uh, the NBA, the Brooklyn Nets. Jeez, haven't they had a... 
an intriguing week. Well, it's got even more intriguing this afternoon with their star player, Kyrie Irving, has been suspended for at least five matches a week after he shared a link to a movie with anti-Semitic theories associated with it. The Nets say that his refusal to unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic beliefs um, was deeply disturbing in their statement that released the uh, Anti-Defamation League says the film amplifies long-standing anti-Semitic tropes. Um, so that was all part of the statement in suspending Kyrie Irving. So it's been another very, very interesting uh, season, unfortunately, or start of the season for the Brooklyn Nets. We don't even, we haven't even spoken about Simmons yet as well in that equation. Uh, that was uh, lost in the wash. We've been talking a bit about the length of the AFL season. This was promoted by the conversation that Nicole Livingston, the boss of the AFLW, had a little earlier today with Sam Edmund and David King and whether or not 17 rounds in the AFLW season would be achievable in the not-too-distant future and extended that link out to AFL and the length of the season in the AFL. Is it something that we could see in the not-too-distant future? The broadcast rights are definitely a hurdle in the way, but does that open up for some more creativity and thinking of how the AFL fixture may be designed and whether there are other elements that you could introduce to fulfil the matches that need to be broadcast. Alex is on the line, wants to have a chat. Afternoon to you, Alex. Good afternoon, Topsy. Um, your proposal that each team play each other once for the interest of fairness is, a, is an idea that certainly has a lot of merit. But with all these sorts of ideas, the, um, the devil's always in the detail and... I can't see members for for a start taking a, a, a cut in the number of games that they get to see, or if they did get, or if there was agreed that they did cut the number of games, then you'd have to cut the amount they pay for memberships or for the annual seat um, privileges. And yeah. in addition, stadium um, owners expect a certain number of throughputs from football to help meet the cost of maintaining the stadiums and the um, caterers in the stadiums would also suffer considerably financially. So from a financial perspective, there'd be too much of a rub to um, to reduce the number of games to 17. Yeah, and that's obviously the, the, the largest hurdle that if in this conversation that seems to bob up every now and again, it's weighing up whether the financial risk is associated with the league fairness. Um, but I also wonder whether there's the opportunity to be a bit creative. And this 40 Winks temper text came through a little earlier this afternoon. A 17-round season, then final five rounds of three groups. Six teams, one to six, seven to 12, 13 to 18. Play Each team plays the teams in their group to determine finishing positions in each group. 22 rounds with buys after round 17 and before final eight. And then we go into the final eight. So is, is there opportunities potentially to work in some creativity into the fixture if we if we do go down the path of trying to get some fairness in the fixtures? It's, I wonder whether there's the opportunity to be a little more creative as we try to even things up. Keep sending through your thoughts. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 
We'll send through a 40 wings temper text on 0433981116. Lost in the wash was thanks to Identifiber, your specialist in asbestos and hazardous materials assessments. Dwayne's well, thanks to Kogan Mobile. Make the call, switch to Kogan Mobile. Matthew Cox in the chair with you, Brett Sunderason and Tristan Merlehan to join us in the next half hour as we lead you in to the run home with Andy and Gazy. All roads lead to Essendon BMW. Visit us today. Here's what's making SEN news. More than 100 emergency warnings are in place across New South Wales with nine river systems in major flooding. The central west town of Forbes is bracing for its worst flooding event in 70 years. Flooding is also continuing in Victoria where more than 50 warnings are in place. The Brisbane couple charged with the murder of their seven-month-old baby boy have appeared in court for the first time and will return to court in a month. And Western Australia's COVID-19 state of emergency declaration has ended. SEN.com.au Sport is next. This stakes day at Flemington and Rose Hill. Use your bet returns and if your horse runs second, third, fourth or fifth, get up to 50 bucks back in bonus bets with Sportsbet. Conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. Aaron Finch remains in doubt for tonight's must-win T20 World Cup match against Afghanistan as he battles both injury and a form slump. Matthew Wade will captain if Finch is absent. To golf, Aaron Baddeley is the leading Australian at the PGA Tour event in Mexico after an even par 71 in the opening round. American Will Gordon leads 9 under par. Adair's biggest shopping event ends tonight. Linen lovers save up to 40% on all full-price items. Shop now, pay better with Afterpay. Adair's and Afterpay, T's and C's apply. The Odds Couple with Simon O'Donnell and David Taggart tomorrow morning from 8 on SEN. Duncan Thompson Extensions. Start your 2023 conversation today. DuncanThompson.com.au Partly cloudy, 18 degrees in Melbourne. Partly cloudy, 22 tomorrow. Partly cloudy on Sunday, up to 25 degrees. And Australia takes on Afghanistan tonight in the ICC Men's T20 World Cup here at Live Right Here on SEN. Rolling out the classic hits this afternoon here on Dwayne's World. Matthew Cox with you. Thanks to Master Builders Victoria. Want the best in industry training? Contact Master Builders of Victoria. Time for a top sport update. Home of the top sports betting multi-gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's a big weekend in the world of sport. And Tristan Merlehan joins us now to try and guide us through it. We may as well start with the T20 World Cup. Tristan, good afternoon to you. Yeah, g'day, Coxie, and it's a massive uh, couple of days in sport and racing. The Aussies have got it all in front of them if we want to qualify for the next phase of the World Cup, where the Aussies are $1.09 favourites against Afghanistan, $7.50. We've got over 100 markets up on the match. The man of the match is always most most popular in these matches, where Davey Warner's the six fifty favourite, Glenn Maxwell, $8, and Rashid Khan, the shortest of the Afghanistanis, at $9. But... If we win, we're certainly not in. We need a bit of luck to go our way. So the game tomorrow between Sri Lanka and England, I think all Aussie fans will be cheering on Sri Lanka to at least be tight and competitive. They're $4.50 underdogs against England at $1.20. We'll know a lot more in about uh, 24 hours' time. We certainly will indeed, and the shade with the Aussie team continues to intrigue us heading towards that encounter tonight. We've got a bit of racing on the agenda tomorrow at Flemington as well. Where are you taking us to, to uh, attend? Yeah. 
We've got three big races. We've got the champion stakes where Animo looks to go five in a row this campaign, being 2.15 into 2.05. But I think it might be a little bit vulnerable tomorrow. I like elliptical, number 10. It's been 16 into 15. I think it is a really, really good each-way bet. Zaki and I'm Thunderstruck, 3.90 and $7.50 in the race. And then the other cracker is the champion sprint where we've got uh, Nature Strip bouncing, trying to bounce back from the Everest. 2.20 into $1.90. Giga kick beat it in the Everest. It's $5.50 second pick. And then we've got the Manicato form. Jamie Carr and Bell and Nipatina, six fifty into $6 with Paul Ely at $21. Great day of racing. Three Group 1s on the card. We've also got a good day in Sydney as well. So plenty of options there for racing fans. And just quickly, the Kangaroos in action in the Rugby League World Cup as well. Yeah, they look to go through the quarterfinals. They take on Lebanon. We're 41 and a half point favourites. We should get the job done, and then it'll be a semi final matchup. We're likely playing New Zealand, who are 101 against Fiji at $17 as well. So plenty of sport uh, to get involved with on the weekend. Should be an absolute beauty. Well, yeah, they certainly will. And uh, thanks very much for joining us this afternoon, Tristan. Enjoyed. I'm not sure where your attention's going to be across the course of the weekend because there is that much on. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thanks, mate. Tristan Merlihan joining us. Thanks to Top Sport, home of the Top Sports betting multi. Download the Top Sport app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. We alluded to the T20 World Cup, which takes place tonight. SEN commentator Brat Sundarason joins us this afternoon here on Dwayne's World. Afternoon to you, Brat. What's uh, life like in Adelaide as we head towards this encounter at the Adelaide Oval tonight? Oh, it's just the most beautiful day here in Adelaide. Honestly, after you know all these grim days we've had all year long, especially uh, in the last three or four months, uh, and especially with all the rain that affected the India-Bangladesh game, which led to that dramatic end, um, after all that, we just have a wonderful day. I mean, it's a day where you want to be on a hike, you want to be on a trail, but instead I will be at the Adelaide Oval, which is equally as beautiful, and uh, watching some uh, good cricket, Australia's World Cup chances, as you know, on the line. Um, does, does their fate even rest in their own hands anymore? We'll wait and watch. I hope you haven't mozzed us with the weather, given their track record over the last couple of weeks <laughs> there, uh, Barat. Is there any news? Can you give us any exclusives as to what this Australian side is going to look like? Or are you just as confused as what I am? Well, I think just on the basis of how Aaron Finch was at training yesterday, uh, we haven't heard anything new today, uh, but he does, didn't look right. Uh, and I've seen enough of Aaron Finch now. And generally, he's one of those who likes to get into the net and have a longish bat. Uh, and he's definitely done that a lot during this World Cup. But instead, he was just walking around with his hands in his pockets and having all these one-on-one chats with all the senior players. Matthew Wade, who would take over the captaincy uh, in Finch's absence. Uh, yeah, he spent a lot of time with him and the coach. Uh, so it didn't look right for Aaron Finch. Tim David, another injury concern did bat for quite a while and I saw Andrew McDonald and uh, Chief Selector George Bailey have a chat after that. Looks like Tim David might be fit but again, I mean, look, Australia have no... Uh, a, they have to win. Right? Then comes the winning by a big margin bit. So they just have to throw everything they have at Afghanistan. Uh, I still think they'll stick to the same bowling attack but uh, if Finch goes out, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we get to see some Cam Green action tonight at the Adelaide Oval. So you think he comes in rather than the experience and leadership of Steve Smith? I personally would love to watch Steve Smith play every game for Australia, every format. And I think they have missed him so far in the middle order of quite a few times. Uh, but, you know, because there's this whole 
talk of firepower and you want to win by a big margin, 60 plus runs at least. Uh, and then also then hope that Sri Lanka beat England or England don't win by a big margin. So it's all that into consideration and the way Cam Green has taken to T20 cricket in the last few months, I just get a feeling they might go with that option because it's more explosive. And, you know, Cam Green has shown that he can get a 50 in 20 balls, which, you know, Steve Smith uh, doesn't have the reputation of doing that. And that's the one reason I feel it could be Cam Green. What's the biggest concern then, if you're looking at it from an Australian perspective, about what the Afghanistan lineup could pose in terms of threat? Firstly, uh, there'll be a lot of Afghans today at the ground, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I spoke to a bunch of them a few weeks ago, and this means a lot more than just a cricket match or just to watch Rashid Khan, uh, you know, in their, their hometown hero, uh, play in front of uh, them at, at his home ground, his adopted home ground, you might call it, the Adelaide Oval. Uh, but this is a very solid and pretty seasoned Afghanistan side. They've been unfortunate. Two games washed off. They ran England close. They ran Sri Lanka close. So, um, it's not just Rashid Khan. It's Australia just focused on Rashid Khan. There are others who can hurt them as well. Well, Some big hitters in the top order. Uh, some very seasoned T20 fast bowlers in the lineup. And Mujibur Sardar, Mujibur Rahman, who's also been a mystery spinner of renown over the, all, all over the world. So, and who has a lot of BBL experience. So there are threats at every corner. So, I mean, Australia can just focus on just running roughshod over this Afghanistan side and just focusing on the semifinals. Like they can't take them lightly even for a second. So uh, it won't be easy, but it'll be a good contest either way. If I was to ask you for a tip, Barat, where, where are you leaning towards? I still think Australia will win. Uh, and I just have a sneaky little feeling that Sri Lanka are going to upset England or surprise England tomorrow. So maybe Australia's World Cup's not over, like a lot of people think it is. I'll tell you what, you're filling me with a lot of optimism. I hope it's not <laughs> bit misguided, uh, Barat. Just before we let you go, the other match that's uh, about to get underway this afternoon, Ireland taking on New Zealand. It's kind of in the equation, but probably a little removed mm. from the scenario. Uh, yes, it is just because New Zealand's net run rate is so far ahead that Australia can't catch up with them, even if they do lose tonight. It's more about what happens in the game tomorrow. Uh, and, and like with Afghanistan, this Ireland team has been doing really well in the last um, 16 months or so. They changed their focus. They said, we want to play better T20 cricket. And you look at this lineup, and I was fortunate to see them in Hobart as well. Up and down the order, there, there are guys who know what they're doing, know what their roles are, and they've been performing them really well. I mean, watch out for their team bowlers in particular. Uh, Josh Little has been extremely impressive. Maybe we might, we'll hear that name a lot more in all these other leagues around the world. Uh, and even with their batting, they have Paul Sterling, who's been around forever, and some other explosive guys in the middle order who can turn games around like they have. So, uh, you know, that's going to be a good game as well. You know, Ireland, I believe, are a better team than what Zimbabwe have shown us. Uh, so, yeah, it won't be a walkover for New Zealand. And, and yeah, look, Ireland winning could, could in some strange way, just help Australia as well. So, if, if you are an Australian fan, make sure you're supporting Ireland today, but also make sure you're supporting Sri Lanka tomorrow when they face England. It's been a very strange tournament, and I reckon there's a few twists and turns that lie ahead of us. Barat, thanks for joining us this afternoon, and uh, enjoy the, the nice weather at the Adelaide Oval and the action to come today. No worries at all, man. Thank you so much. You have a great day. You too. Barat Sundarason joining us, part of the SEN commentary team in this World Cup. So the, the good news out of that, the weather seems as though it's not going to be an, a factor tonight.
Uh, this is Dwayne's World. Matthew Cox filling in for you this afternoon. The Werribee Care Open Line, awarded National Care Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Care makes buying cars easy. Jump on it now. one 736 736 11 16 to send through a 40 Winks temper text. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks serious about sleep. It's over to you. A bit more of Midday Madness after this. <laughs> Brickland Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Koga Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. help getting your builder's registration, call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Yeah, he's going well. Um, and I know that's cliche to say that you know, he's dealing and coping with it. Um, but he is, yeah. I think, as a captain, you've got so many distractions around you. You've got the other four and players in the squad plus the staff that you're working with um, in terms of what you need to implement tactically. So he's got a fair few distractions other than his own four um, to keep him occupied. So he's preparing, he's training well. Um, as we saw last game, there was, there was that glimmer of a return to form um, you know, on the back of the Sri Lankan game where he wasn't at his best. And by his own admission, he wasn't at his best in that game. Um, and that can happen in T20. It's not the not the sort of format that you want to be searching for form in. Uh, you don't get much time to make decisions and the game dictates what you need to do straight away. So um, within that, there can be some failure. And, and he's, he's been on that journey before. He's come out the other side and you know, we're really positive in terms of the way that he played against Ireland. And as I said, unfortunately, just that small setback again just to knock him on the back foot around that injury. Coach of Australia, Andrew McDonald, joining the boys on the run home. Kimbo and the Roach over on SENSA yesterday afternoon, discussing the pressure that Aaron Finch has been through, the criticism that's been on him, and then you add to that the layer that uh, is continuing to swirl around this afternoon as to whether or not he'll play tonight. But as Barrett just told us, it looks as though that may be unlikely. And earlier today, we threw it out there for nominations of players that haven't been quite right but the trigger's been pulled on them to be called upon in big, significant games and big, significant moments. And whether the risk has been too great and backfired or whether it has come off and they have made an impact. Michael from Blackburn sent this through a little earlier, not necessarily a, an injury per se, but it was still a risk. Marlon Pickett was an example of a risk paying off. Sam Reid this year was an example of one not working out. It certainly was. It was a dicey situation and... I think it adds to the soft tissue injuries and whether or not you're prepared to take the risk or there's more of a risk other than something that maybe can be fixed uh, with a, a jab. Lou from Mount Martha sent this through as well. The t- 2001 grand final, Essendon went in with a few injuries. James Heard was one with a hamstring injury and it cost us in the grand final. That was from Lou in Mount Martha. Regarding the Aaron Finch situation, uh, Ash says, Finch out, what a blessing in disguise. Australia's best chance to move into the next World Cup stage is the following batting order. Wade, Warner, Marsh, Stoinis, Maxwell, David. If they need any further batting, it's just not their campaign to win. An interesting point raised by Ash be interesting to see what does unfold and whether or not if Finch does make way and whether Cameron Green or for that matter Smith step up into the role 
whether that takes the pressure off. Because there's been a lot of distractions around Australia in this uh, campaign. With the Afghani spinners, Smith must play ahead of Green. That came off the 40 Winks temper text uh, a little uh, earlier. And uh, this also came through. I think the pressure on Finch has to has taken the focus off Pat Cummins' form. I think it's anyone's spot. If I think if anyone's spot should be under threat, it should be Cummins. His name has generated a little bit of conversation off the 40 Winks temper text throughout the course uh, of the day. The other conversation that we were running with today as well was regarding the AFLW and the, the season and the comments that were made by Nicole Livingston on breakfast this morning. You can catch that full chat, sen.com.au or download the SEN app off the uh, temper 40 Winks text. I still don't think they've found the sweet spot for when the AFLW season is played. The first month... I had interest but lost it once the cricket started. I, but I do think the season should be at least long enough for every team to play each other once. Well, the indication we got on that front from Nicole Livingston earlier today is that that's probably still a few years uh, away. And uh, also off the 40 Winks temper text uh, regarding the, the game again tonight. Pete on the Gold Coast, Coxie, three vital factors tonight. One, Finch, absolutely not 100%. Two, two, he doesn't score quickly enough. And three, we don't have time to test him. Find his 80% have him get worse. It's an interesting situation. And one, we'll only know at the toss of the coin. Back after this to wrap it up and hand you over to the run home with Andy and Gazy. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogo Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. For help getting your builder's registration, call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne Twirl with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Matthew Cox been with you this afternoon. I'll leave it up to you whether I can take the old plates off after the last uh, three hours or not, whether I can graduate to the P plates or not for the next shift. But it's been a, a joy to have you on board this afternoon. And you can go back and catch up on the afternoon as well on the podcast, sen.com.au or download the SEN app. Daryl McDonald, the head of Melbourne United's game against the Cairns Taipans tonight. Shift to Sheen looking at the top Prospects in this year's draft for medium at defenders. We also caught up with Brat Sundarason, Campbell Brown, Nigel Carmody. It's all there on the podcast. So you can catch up for that. So we've been here thanks to Brick Lane Brewing for lovers and makers of great beer. Drink responsibly. And as I said, appreciate all your calls and your temper. 40 Winks texts across the afternoon. A reminder. We'll hear the Australia and Afghanistan game a little later on tonight. The chances for the Aussies to progress through to the semi-final. We'll wait and see, and we'll wait and see whether or not Aaron Finch will guide us in that encounter. Ireland and New Zealand is about to get underway at the Adelaide Oval. The anthems have just been sung, and it looks absolutely magnificent over at the Adelaide Oval. So as Brat Sundarason told us, no chance of rain impacting, which is good to hear. Uh, I'm Matthew Cox. Better say thank you to Benny Palmer for putting the show together. Been superb, even though he's been operating half an hour behind play. Um, good on you, Benny. Appreciate all your help and appreciate the help of A-Rod as well, who's he's got another innings to go. Good luck with that as the run home gets you underway for the afternoon. Andy and Gazy up after the news. You there, A-Rod? Want to witness the world's biggest football game? 
Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.